We're back for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. A somewhat well-rested Paul Dottino. John Schmelk with you. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to participate in the show, that way you can as well. Of course, the draft is a few days old now. Uh, you've heard from Paul and I plenty on what we think about the picks. So we're not going to go into that at the start of the show. Uh, we, we will have a guest. We'll be joined by Spencer Leftwich, who is Will Hernandez's offensive line coach at UTEP. He'll join us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Paul, over the last couple of days, obviously some information has kind of leaked out from around the league about the draft. We've broken down each Giants pick at nauseum. Um, any overarching thoughts that have kind of popped into your head since the draft has ended? You know, John, I, I think that the, the one thing that I noticed um, is that there were some teams who clearly stayed away from all injury medical file guys and there were other teams that simply didn't seem to to be affected by that at all and drafted a bunch of guys who had medical files regardless great example uh the jets half of their guys had medical issues but it didn't seem to matter um cowboys took van der Esch in the first round linebacker terrific player medical question yeah for um, some and the funny and that's the deal you know, for some teams it might be a medical question. Other teams they might have cleared the guy completely. So it really depends team to team whether or not they how serious they consider those medical conditions. And that happens every year Correct. with certain guys. But I found it interesting in that some teams seem to flat out, for example, the Giants, as far as I know, none of the guys they took, none of them had any medical. None of them. Not that I can think of, no. So it's not just how do we grade a particular player in some cases where, okay, we're not going to take the risk on that or we think the medical's okay. No, it looks as though by looking at some of these, these boards, some teams flat out disqualified medical guys no matter what. It didn't matter anything about the player. We're not taking any players who are medical. And other teams didn't seem to care. Again, the Jets took a bunch of guys who have medical. So it wasn't just one guy. Right. For instance, the tight end that they took. Half of their guys had medical. Now, again, that doesn't mean the Giants were adverse to picking anybody that might have had a past injury. They just didn't happen to do it. I'm going to say that's probably more of a real pattern than it is just a coincidence. That's my guess. But it's simply an educated guess. When you look at, at a team that's gone through an entire draft and has none, none of those questions, just a guess. So that kind of struck me a little bit odd that there were so many teams in both of those camps. The other thing that got re revealed on a, a podcast, I forget which one, I think it was Albert Breer, talked to Baker Mayfield's agent at the top of the draft. And okay. he said that they weren't sure if the Browns were going to take him in one. They knew the Jets were a floor at three. And he said there was one team that told him you could have a surprise at number two. Take a guess what team it was. And it wasn't the Giants. It wasn't Denver? New England Patriots. To go up to two? Now, I don't think they had the ammunition to do it, but that's what Baker Mayfield's agent said the Patriots told him. Well, let's just say this. If the Patriots had called, and Dave Gettleman admitted that there were calls that he received yes. uh, in the days prior to the draft, but they were for peanuts, popcorn, and Cracker Jacks and stuff. Uh, You've got hot dogs, but that's yes, okay. Yes, yeah. so, so obviously there wasn't much there uh, in terms of the offer. And then, uh, as we know, Dave Gettleman, when it got time for the pick, he was just making the pick, and that was it. It was already too late for anybody else to make a barnstorming move. You ready for our guest? Let's go. All right, here we go. Our first guest of the show is Spencer Lefwich. 
former offensive line coach over at the University of Texas, El Paso. He coached the Giants' second-round pick, Will Hernandez. Spencer, you got John Schmoke and Paul DeTione in East Rutherford, New Jersey. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing great, and we had a chance to uh, talk to Will on the phone after he selected um, on Friday. Seems like a wonderful young man, very excited to get going. Uh, I guess the first thing we'll ask, since you were kind of up close and personal with him more than we were or any fans were at UTEP, what type of guy are the Giants getting in person are the Giants getting in Will Hernandez? Well, they're getting a first-class quality human being. Uh, Will is, is a... Um, First-rate quality citizen. Um, he was a, a joy to be around. Um, he was um, as one of the one of our kids in our program that um, you know knew how to handle himself from the get-go. He was raised right. He had great parents. Uh, he was a joy to coach. Uh, but you know, more than that, he was just uh, he was just a good person. And uh, I think that's what the Giants has got is, uh, is uh, in this draft in this pick is a is a young man that's um, that is that that's a quality human being. Well, you know, Spencer, there's no question the Giants were looking for good character guys in the locker room. Dave Gettleman told us that the moment he was hired, and he has certainly shown a pattern of that in his early uh, tenure acquisitions. Let me ask you about his development as a player from the time that you started to coach him to the time that he has now come out and entered the NFL, where have you seen the most progress? Where do you think he still needs to round things out before he becomes an NFL player? Well, you know, his progress from day one, he was with us uh, 2013 until this last season. Uh, we made a decision to redshirt him, and it was more on our decision as our program. That was our first year there. Could he have played could he have helped us? There was no question. Uh, some kids are, you know, you're either redshirted for developmental reasons or for injury or whatever it is. He was more because our we were in the first year of our program and looking the long haul, that was what we decided and where he came from. So he could have played. He was physically um, developed and strength-wise and that very few High school, especially offensive linemen, are ready to come in and play that position. But so that was the reason, and then he took that year. And um, yes, there were some things he was totally uh, had to, you know, start over and learn, just like all freshmen from making the jump from high school to the college rank, as far as you know, understanding of of leverage and and um, you know steps and and footwork and just, uh, you know, ground zero of technique and fundamentals and those things. And, you know, he's just a sponge is the best way. Uh, <laughs> he just every year he just in every practice in spring to fall, he, uh, young man just got better and better and better and better. And, you know, that's just a testament to him because football is important to him. Uh, and not only the game is, but, uh, just the way he's made up, uh, just the way he wants to be the best. And, you know, from seeing him from the first day he entered our our program and our first, you know, you know our first um, uh, fall practice camp until this last season, um, uh, you know, just the knowledge and, and uh, not only 
you know, refining the little things that you have to do in, in every position. But, you know, ours in the offensive line, it's such a skill, um, refined position and, and with hand placements and, and uh, you know, hat and, and your footwork and those things. And uh, just from day one until he left, he just uh, was – it was – Totally developed to you know to the player you know that he is now, and he and, and he's not finished. The Giants are getting a, a you know a young man that has also room to grow, and sure you know and he will there. I don't know if he can physically grow any more than he is because he's one mountain of a <laughs> no, man already, Spencer. <laughs> no, he is. Uh, you know what was a story or something that was you know watching him, and you know there's it's it's uh, you know recruiting high school player and and you know drafting yes there's differences and there's you know you know the degree and the money and the, yeah but watching somebody one of the most impressive things was is he sent me a tape out of high school a, um, a video and the young man uh, power cleaned 360 pounds wow in and, high school uh, in high school and at um, 17 years old or anybody, that was, you know, to see somebody that can bend and snap and was that powerful uh, right then, just say, you know what, we can, if we can't find a place for this guy, maybe something's wrong with us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a chance to, you know, our head coach was Sean Kugler, who, who uh, spent um, 10 years prior to taking a job at UTEP was an NFL offensive line coach and, you know, I mean, that was something that we haven't seen him or me from a high school kid ever. Uh, so that was that's just how powerful and strong the young man is. You know, Coach, you mentioned him refining his technique, and I think automatically when you think of, of a big guy like Will Hernandez, and I saw him at the senior bowl, and your eyes are automatically you know drawn to him. Now he's manhandling yeah. guys and everything. But that technique's necessary to handle some of the quicker speed rushers at the three technique that he'll find at the NFL level. Uh, how is he in dealing with those speedier, quicker pass rushers, and how does his technique help him deal with those guys? Well, one... One, you know, we talked about strength. He is so strong in his hands, uh, and he, you know, and there's video of him doing it at the, at the, um, you know, at the senior game. And we played OU was our first game. I know that fan has been on a bunch. Mm-hmm. He played, you know, we played Texas his junior year. Uh, but you know, his strength, uh, he really has a. Uh, knack of getting his hands on you. And when he can get his hands on you, playing guard, a three technique, being on just on the outside of you, you know, and uh, his feet are really good. You saw that uh, in his drills and his combine workout. Uh, and, and, you know, he's going to be able to snatch you up. That's one of his qualities. He understands and has developed and we worked on is what is your strength? And his strength is his power. Uh, you know, the power that he has, and he's just able just to set and to, and to get his hands on you. I think that's going to be, and obviously the NFL is another, is another you know, level, and he's going to be every, every, every Sunday. You're, you know, you're playing against the best. Uh, but uh, I, that's one of the things that he's able to do, and I think that he will – be coached and refined also at that level, you know, with y'all and 
but he can get his hands on people fast and in his pass sets and in his run blocking is is use his feet and use his power and his strength to get you know I call him a road grader to get that body on someone you know Spencer Leftwich, former UTEP offensive line coach, joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. He coached Will Hernandez, the Giants' second-round draft pick. Spencer, was there a particular game, was there a particular player matchup uh, that you can remember where you really said to yourself, you know what, this guy's going to be one terrific pro. It doesn't have to be during his senior season. Maybe it was during his junior season where, you you know, you knew. You knew he had crossed that threshold from being a really good college player to being a legitimate blue-chip prospect. Yeah, you know, when we, like I said, his junior year, game two, we played Texas. And, um, you know, you could see things. You know, you, you know, you saw things in him and his growth from, you know, from his first start in 2014, and now he's, you know, we're, you know, we line up against those guys, and uh, he had a great game. Uh, he, you know, looked like he belonged there, um, and uh, he, you know, dominated, you know, guys in front of him, and at that point right there, leaving that stadium there at that time. Uh, second game of his junior year, you know, wow, this guy can um, be exactly what you know we thought he could be, and um, and that was game two, and he can only get better, and um, that's when it hit me is that you know you thought this, you saw this, you saw a flash here, you see him progress from you know fourteen to fifteen, but you know. Uh, game two in a 16-year um, against the University of Texas, that's when I knew that he was he was something special. Coach, believe it or not, the Giants drafted Chris Snee in the second round in the same exact spot that they selected <laughs> Will 34. Hernandez. Yeah. And when you talk to Chris Snee off the field, he was a soft-spoken, nice young man. Not very different than when we talked to Will Hernandez on the phone. But when you put yeah. Chris Snee on the field, he was a mean son of a gun <laughs> and liked to beat the heck out of people. Does Will Hernandez have that same mean streak when he gets on the field? Judging by the number of pancakes I saw in his game film, I think the answer is probably yes, right? Uh, yeah, no question. The young man is... Uh, term everybody uses or whatever he can flip the switch he can when he hits the field he is a um, he's in a very intense very um uh plays with you know controlled you know aggression uh but he is a mean powerful young man um and no he can he can flip that switch and <laughs> and um and be the guy you want him to be on your side if you're picking teams you want to pick him first Final question for me, Coach. Um, in the NFL, we know the playbooks are a little bit different. Guys are stronger and faster and bigger and everything else. Uh, how do you think he will do in terms of getting to the second level, getting out in terms of leading blocks downfield, matching up against some guys who now at this level will be as big and as strong as he is? I mean, no disrespect, but yeah. when you're coming out of college, sometimes guys aren't as big as you and they're not as strong as you either. No, no, you're right, and I think that's um, in any level you move, high school to college, college obviously to, you know, the National Football League, which is, um, you know, each level you jump up, there's going to be more guys like you. Uh, 
Uh, there's, I mean, all 11 on defense are true guys. But I think Will, uh, the thing that I saw in him from the last football game in the combine workout in the East-West game is, is, is you know, Will went from about uh, his weight at the combine, I want to say, was like, what, three – was it 321, 317? Yes. Yeah, it was around 320, I and, thought. Yes, yeah. And he played at about, uh, you know, uh, 340, 337, somewhere in there. So he lost about a good uh, 10 pounds or so from the game until the combine workouts. I think that's going to make him, uh, and, and, and that was good, uh, I think that's going to make him quicker, more explosive when he does get on the second level. Those guys in y'all's league are <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's what you need to do. I see that being a plus for him when he gets to there, that he can have the uh, the agility and the, uh, you know, foot speed, you know, to get on top of those guys. And that's his plus is to get his body, what we always talked about, get your body on top of them, get, um, get out of space um, and – I think losing the weight and uh, getting down to that playing weight that I think that that is where he's going to be, or you know, obviously the you know y'all going to have something for him. But I think that's going to help him. I really do. Coach, two quickies for you. One, the scheme you guys ran in college. When we talked to Will on on Friday, he talked about how it was a pro style offense and it would help yeah. his transition. Um, you obviously know the playbook better than anybody, and you know the type of stuff they run in the NFL. How easy of a transition is it going to be, and what's the type of stuff you had him run there? Was it mostly gap and power? Did he do a lot of zone stuff too? How, what should that adjustment be like for him in, in the pros? I think he's going to have uh, – obviously there's always an adjustment, but I do think he's going to have an advantage because we were a pro-style gap scheme offense, gap power, scheme. Uh, big uh, – big, uh, Big power team, counter team. Uh, Will we ran power. Will uh, Will was we probably ran it more with him pulling. He could do more damage, and he was you know at point of attack. Uh, uh, and I think he's uh, going to fit into that scheme. I think he, uh, the way you know we did huddle, we did uh, have uh, you know have checks at the line of scrimmage. Went one side to the other side, or killed a play and went to another play. He's been in that scheme. Um, we have made, uh, you know, the front calls and identified the Mike linebacker and some of those things that are, you know, that you see on Sundays get lost now in the college football game. But, you know, that was our offense. We were pro-style. We were gap downhill running the football. Um, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, terminology is going to be like anything else. Uh, everybody has, you know, has their own terminology and, but when you get down to it, uh, how you call it, but you're still running a gap scheme, yep. power counters, um, you know, uh, those type uh, gap scheme, no pullers with big NFL play. Uh, but he's been introduced today. He's been into it five years. He's ran it. Um, just getting down the, like I said, the terminology and, you know, the language and those things. Um but he's, he's, he's been in it. I don't think the learning curve is going to be like you see some of the linemen coming in or other positions with the spread and the hurry up and those things. Perfect. Final question, Coach, real quick. I want to ask you about something specifically Dave Gettleman mentioned that attracted him to Will Hernandez. Much like the Giants last year, you guys had a rough year. You had a coaching change. You know, towards the end of the year, 
Guys can sometimes check out. It's just the way of the world. It happens. But Dave Gettleman noticed that Will Hernandez looked like the same guy in game 11 that he looked like in game two, despite what your record was. Um, what was he like going through the losing in the tough year? And was he really even to you the same guy despite all the losing? Because that can be very important at the pro level. You know, and I, we said that in our first question, that that's his character. There was no difference. Our first game, everybody starts the season off with expectations and those things. No, it was not did not go anywhere like we had planned. Or uh, it was a tough year for everybody. Uh, but we'll never stopped. Um, and any season, we'll never stopped uh, wanting to get better, wanting to learn. And there was never a playoff. There was never. Hey, you know, we we had nobody that was going to replace Will. I mean, we knew it. He knew it. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I mean, there was not, you know, uh, that was a situation. He never took advantage of that. Um, no matter who we were going to play, what our record was, what happened the week before, you know, the young man, um, you know, made it a bright spot of, of, uh, of the season and, he just wants to get better. I mean, that that's him. He wants to be the very best he can be. Um, and he did not stop um, wanting to get better and practicing and meeting and doing the little things that go into it that, you know, people don't see. All they see is a Saturday game, a Sunday game. But, no, the young man never, ever uh, folded his tent, never took a playoff, Never took a week or whatever it was. He was um, he was a joy to work, and I will. That was uh, that was one of the bright spots and positive. And and you know, my last five years have has been a joy coaching him. Coach, I'm going to cheat and ask you one more question because right. you, you were just talking on you were just talking now about everything that people have seen, and and he is what you see. Can you give me a behind-the-curtain story about him that maybe the public doesn't know about? Obviously, it can be humorous. That will give people a better sense of what he's all about, either as a man or as a player or just as a teammate. Something that maybe maybe hasn't been on tape or hasn't been in the newspapers. You know, I, you know, I don't know. He's just... Um... You know, I'll tell you this. Every year, we, you know, I have, before our season, we have our, you know, I always have the kids over my house and and um, we cook out and um, play washers or whatever it is and jump in the pool or whatever it is. And Will's always the guy, the last one to leave, uh, always um, is in the kitchen asking my wife if she needs any help or taking the trash out or you know, that's just the kind of guy he is. Very uh, cool. You know, he's, he's just, you know, I have a younger son uh, that's, um, uh, you know, uh, high school age, freshman age kid, and he's upstairs playing video games with him or um, watching wrestling or whatever it is. And, you know, he wasn't, I mean, did he have to do that? No, he didn't. He, you know, be the first one to leave. He, you know, hung around for who needed to and ate and left, whatever. But, he was always first one there, hugging my wife, and last one carrying the trash out, hugging my wife. 
he does like to eat, so he always <laughs> left something extra. He's just leaving leftovers. Uh, but he always liked, and uh, when you get a chance to see him, he always, my wife made sopapilla cheesecake, and he always would leave with, um, he knows what to do, because he always buttered her up, and she'd have one stashed in the refrigerator for him to take home. Well, Coach, so Coach, he let me, knows what he's doing. He Co- knows what he's doing. Coach, let me tell you, if he likes cheesecake, he's come to the right place. We got plenty of good cheesecake no up here in New York. <laughs> we sure do. Coach, you, you developed a heck of a player and a heck of a kid. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. And good luck down the road, okay? Thank you, Spencer. And good luck to you guys. Thanks so much. Enjoy your summer. Thank you. That's Spencer Leftwich, you former bet. UTEP offensive line coach, Coach Will Hernandez. And um, none of that was surprising to me based on what I've heard about the kid. And, uh, look, I think the Giants are, are, are getting what they're getting here, and, and that couldn't be a better thing. Can we say he checks all the boxes? <laughs> I mean, not just as a player, but as yeah, a human being. Yeah, I, I, I think probably. I, I mean, look, obviously, when, when you former, hear that, obviously, his former coach is going to come on and say anything bad about the kid. We get that, but even in all the scouting reports and everything, there isn't much not to like. Look, he's not perfect. He might struggle with some fast and speed guys and stuff like that. Nobody's a perfect prospect, but I think you have to be pretty excited about uh, what you're getting if you're the New York Giants. I think uh, the one thing that that, uh, Spencer said, and and it was something that you mentioned, Dave Gettleman had mentioned to us originally, and then he reiterated, it didn't matter. The losing never affected him. It never infected him, actually, which is probably a better word. Correct. Because that does happen. You know it. But we've all seen it. And and you could tell the affection that he has for this player – just the, all the, the whole package of what he did. And it's very easy for even the best of players to start going downhill when things go into a slide. And so, you know, grateful Will Hernandez that he never lost the luster and he remained a blue-chip yeah. prospect right up until the draft. I'm curious to see how he does in his own scheme, which is a lot of what Shermer runs when you're at mostly a gap and power mm-hmm. scheme there. I think that'll probably be his biggest adjustment. Yeah. J- adjustment. But look. The weight thing was interesting, though, too. Yeah, he dropped about 10. He was 327 at the combine. He said was he, he played around 330, right? 335. He said 330, 340. Yeah, so hey, he probably lost That's like 15, interesting to me. That's interesting to me because that was one of the knocks in terms of yeah. when people said, well, he's not going to be a high first rounder. The thing was, well, with some speed rushers, some of that lateral movement, yeah. he was a little bit, uh, you know, dancing bear. wasn't as quick on his feet, yep. maybe, as some people would like to have him been. But if he's lost 10, 15 pounds – maybe that suddenly is not an issue anymore. Let's do the calls at 201-939-4513. Bob, Bob in Parsippany has been holding the longest. What's up, Bob? All right. Hi. hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank Hello. You, since you were talking about Will Hernandez, I'll, I'll just say that I am very thrilled that they picked him, but that's not what I came on to talk about. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the number one pick for the Giants. Sure. And um, Barkley, he's certainly worth taking at number two, but I believe that the Giants will regret not picking a quarterback because a franchise quarterback is worth more than a, even, a, even a Hall of Fame running back. Bob, I agree and 100%. John, and, John, you were, on, you were on the day you had uh, Dan Orlovsky, mm-hmm. uh, you know, evaluating the quarterbacks. And Orlovsky, he just raved about Rosen. And then on draft night, we had um, Troy Aikman, when Rosen got picked, he says this guy is the best talent, the best passing talent since Andrew Luck. The only thing that kept him from being the number one pick in the draft was the concussions. 
I think Rosen should have been the pick, and I think we should have taken the risk about the concussions for that kind of talent. Well, Bob, here's the thing, and, and, and here's the beauty of it. You know, I, you, know you, you love Rosen. I love Sam Darnold, and both of us are on the record about that. But this is the beauty of this. We're going to know when Eli Manning hangs it up, whenever that happens to be in two, three, or four years, however much longer he plays, we're going to see how good the Giants are with Eli as quarterback and Barkley as the running back. And then we're going to see when Eli retires whether or not there's a succession plan. And based on those two sets of results, we're going to know if they did the right thing and we're going to know if they did the wrong thing. And we'll obviously see the circumstances along the way if, if, if they're mitigating or anything like that. And the Giants have chosen a path. Um, they're going to try their best to win with Eli Manning. And I know he has only two years left on his deal, but the way Dave Gettleman has spoken about it and Pat Shermer, I mean, if he plays really well this year, Paul, would you be shocked if he got like a one-year contract extension or something like that? I wouldn't be. No, so, there, there are even economic uh, reasons why you I, could I think I would extension. be. And I would be because uh, next year he's got um, – if, 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 if Manning retired or they got rid of him, he, they would save $17 million in, in cap money, which could be used for Landon Collins or uh, Beckham. Yeah, yeah, but Bob, here's the thing. If, but if Eli plays well this year and they win a lot of games... There's no way he's going to retire. That cap space is well spent. It's not wasted cap space, you know what I mean? If he plays poorly, you know, it's a completely different conversation. But if, if he's good, yeah, you pay a quarterback $20 million. That's the going rate, you know what I mean? Yes, I understand. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think we might be getting back to respectability, you know, and maybe 500 or close to 500. I, I don't see playoff in, in our horizon this year. We'll see. Thank okay. you, Bob. Appreciate the call. And again, it's guys, this is a results-oriented business. Paul and I have said since the beginning, we know Eli's the quarterback this year, and after this year, it's, it's on a year-to-year basis. And we'll see be. how it goes. It if he be. plays really well this year, you know what? He's going to be back. If he plays really poorly, there's a chance he's not going to be. That's the way the league works for every player and every team. It's not just Eli Manning. It's everybody. And remember, Elway, Brady, and Peyton Manning all won Super Bowls after they turned 37. So let's not disqualify this guy just because he's 37 years old. That's known as age discrimination. Oh, please. <laughs> it is. I've, I've had well, people argue with me on Twitter. He's 37. Oh, he shot. Oh, just because he's 37? Come to the dance with more evidence, and then we'll discuss it. Don't just give me he's 37. That's not good enough. Well, yeah, but people tend to – historically, people tend to decline as they get older. Okay. I mean, th- th- that, that's the facts of life. Yeah, but not in recent years. Because the depending on the player, right? Drew Brees and, and, isn't as good now as he was two or three years ago. No, but he's still pretty dangerous. Sure, he is. Again, it all depends on how well he plays. That's the point. no doubt. Now, 15, we'll 15, 20 years ago, if you had said it's unlikely that a thirty-seven-year-old or plus quarterback could resuscitate uh, a team's chances, I would have said to you, okay, probably more realistically, it is a little different now. But I agree now, with that. Mm-hmm. That's you fair. know, this is the year two thousand eighteen when. Physicality, man, you know, where 50 is the new 40 and 30 is the new 20 and 60 is the new 40 and everything else. Everybody's turning back the clock. So I don't want to hear about he's 37, he's shot. That's age discrimination, and I'm not going to tolerate it. Let's go. Hey, I'm over 37. That's why, okay? Oh, but every general manager. George Foreman (laughs) proved. George Foreman proved 
that there is life after 40. But he wasn't as good after 40 as he, he was He won a 30. heavyweight championship of the world. Ask Michael Moore. Oh, my God. All right, let's go to Justin in Philly. I'm not going to win this. Justin, go ahead, pal. How are you? Guys, how are you? We're Hello. good, Justin. How are you? Good. Um, I agree with your last caller. I mean, I called last week saying I wanted Sam Darnold. That, you know, that conversation's kind of passed. Um, yep. So I kind of moved into the camp of, all right, we, we got – you know the best weapon. You know, arguably the best player in the draft. So let's 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 put, let's you know push the chips into the into the front of the pot here. Um, and I agree with the second round pick, but I'm a little bit perplexed with not addressing um, the cornerback and, and secondary position and getting you know Kyle Lallette. It does not make much sense to me. It seems like they're kind of hedging their bet a little bit and may not. You know, trust Davis Webb as much and says, you know, let's put more competition into that. Yeah, but Justin, Justin, hold on room. a second. Yeah. If you're in favor of picking a quarterback in the first round, why would Kyle Loletta not make sense to you? Well, Obviously, it's not the same amount of resources put into the put into the problem that you're worried about Eli Manning's, you know, future replacement. But you are putting right. another guy into the mix, which you're right is hedging your bet, and you're giving yourself a better chance of having this successor. I don't know why why you would dislike well, Loletta well, in four, but at the same time want a quarterback in round one. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, because I think I think once you didn't pick a quarterback in round one, you kind of drew you know you drew the line in the sand and said, and said you know what we're going to go all in, and I think that you could have addressed the offensive line at the, you know later in the draft and use your resources for this regime right now to help Eli right now in these next two years. So yeah, but see, Justin, here's the thing, one... though. And, 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 and honestly, this is what I believe, and I didn't know this was the fact before the draft. And I learned once the draft was over, this is how David Gettleman was operating, and I figured it out based on how he made his selections. Do not take anything more out of any of the Giants' selections other than he picked the player that he thought was best. There's no other explanation as to why you would select two defensive tackles when you run a 3-4 and you already have Dalvin Tomlinson and Snacks Harrison. He picked yeah, no, the guys exactly. that he thought were simply the best players, and it makes sense. Kyle Oletta had a third-round grade. That's what they said in the post-draft press conference. He was the best player on their board in that round. That's why they took him. That's why they took Barkley. They didn't pass on Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen because of Davis Webb. They passed on those guys because they thought Barkley was simply a much better player prospect. That's why they did it. So I think fans have to be careful, and it's not just you. I've heard other people do this too, where they're right. trying to make sweeping generalizations about Dave Gettleman's mindset based on who he picked and where. No, he only did these things for one reason. He liked that player better than the other players that were there, regardless of yeah. where they played. And I didn't know that's how he was going to operate before the draft, but after watching it, I'm pretty damn sure that's how he operates. Yeah, it was clear he went top value on the board in each round. And oh, by the way, uh, the last several years, the Patriots have picked quarterbacks in the middle rounds, and then they've traded those guys because they were able to use them as trade bait. Guys like Garoppolo, Malik, guys like Brissett, Brissett and Malik. Right. They were all trade bait. For all you so, know, Loletta could be trade bait in two years. So, so, so quick question, I'll yes. take it off the air, sure. but... You know, this year, let, let's say, let's say the Giants. You know, obviously, Eli Manning is a starting quarterback. Davis Webb's on the team. Kyle Ouellette is on the team. Eli Manning, and you're all in on this year, and 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 Eli Manning and, and this team right now, and the team is you know doing well the first ten games, and Eli Manning gets hurt. You're going to go with 
either Davis Webb or Kyle Oletta as your backup quarterback? Yeah, Justin, you know what? Here's Webb's the bottom the, line. Webb is the guy who's going to step in because he's the one who's been prepped for it. If you draft a quarterback in the third round, if he's not yeah. ready to be your backup quarterback in his second year in the league, you made a mistake. You can't draft a quarterback on day two, and he can't not be ready to be your quarterback in his second year. Uh, if you did that, then you made a mistake. Gotcha. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Justin. And look, he, he has to be ready. Because I don't, you know, I heard, I heard Carl and Maggie and Bart talking about this on on their show yesterday briefly, and they're like, "Oh, they're gonna try to squeeze one of these guys in the practice squad. They have to bring in a veteran." Uh, uh-uh. uh. These are the three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Neither guy is getting through to the practice squad. Okay, it's not happening. Who would get swooped well, up in a split second? Because Shermer had mentioned there was a possibility. He wants three quarterbacks on the team, and one could end up on the practice squad. He mentioned that as a possibility because he threw that line in there. I think some people jumped on it. Yeah, it ain't but happening, it, though. I, it's my opinion. He will keep all three on the 53, and Lolette is going to be the guy who's inactive holding the clipboard on, on Sundays. Yeah, and I he'll agree get, with that. He'll be the red shirt. Yeah. He'll be the red shirt like Davis Webb was this past season. Correct. Loletta will be the red shirt. And then whenever Eli passes the torch to Davis Webb, if Loletta's still here, he will be the number two. That's the way it's well, going to be, I think, in, my, in my estimation. Well, they're going to – well, we, again, Eli might not pass the torch for two more years. And this coaching staff will have two years to evaluate Webb and Loletta and make a decision. Mm-hmm. I don't think their order is set in stone no, no matter what no, they I don't, do. I'm That's giving my point. You, I'm giving right. you my gut feeling as Correct. to how it's going to play out. Exactly. But, of course, they love competition and people want to see sure. competition. Coach Marvin in Delaware wants to continue on the quarterbacks on line four. What's up, Coach Marvin? Hey, how you guys doing? Good to hear from you. What's up? Hi. Uh, good job on that last call, John. Um well, I got a couple of things here. Yes. Um, first thing is, uh, gentlemen, and with the, all the fans, and I understand their passion for the game. I mean, I deal with parents, and they probably can be worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, dealing with parents in uh, high school or youth uh, football, it's very difficult. everybody got a superstar son or daughter. <laughs> um, but what I always tell those parents in the beginning of my season in August, I said, starting this season, I actually lose. No matter what I do this season, I lose because I can't satisfy everybody. Right. You know, we're going to call plays, and they're going to be aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers. And everybody's going to criticize certain plays. Everybody's going to criticize who's not playing. So you can't satisfy everybody, but do what you think is best for the team, and that's what Mr. Gettleman's doing. Yes. Um, as far as the uh, quarterback, uh, Lauletta, I, I mean, I was like you, you guys on uh, draft day. I saw your face when his name came up because everybody was looking for Cosby, and I was looking for Cosby. And uh, to hear Laletta's name, that that I mean, for a second it threw me off, and I kind of like wondering about it. I imagine so Paul's I looked, face was better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I kind of like just a little bit of studying on him because I didn't know nothing about him other than the senior bowl. And a lot of professional people like him. Some people are saying that they thought he was a second-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that the Patriots could take him in the second round. So he, he must have some quality. They're talking about his accuracy, maybe not a strong arm. And so I looked it up, looked at him, and he, he did look pretty good. So you never know what you have because I, I saw um, – um, Mr. Cassidy, uh, he was the GM in Texas. Um, I can't think it's yeah, Charlie. Name. Charlie, yes. Mm-hmm. Charlie loves the guy. 
and um, um, uh, McShay likes the guy. So these are quality people that watches this stuff, and, and they like him. They think he could have been a second or third round pick. So um, I, I think it, it might turn out to be okay. He may, he could be the guy, or Webb could be the guy, but not worried about all that. Eli may have three years, so let it. Let's see what he has. Sure. And uh, my last part is, I thought Gettleman did a good job. If you look at those top picks when we first started, you had Barkley, Chubb, Nelson, and the quarterbacks. He actually went and did that. He he took guys that could be similar to these guys. He took uh, he took Carter, who can be similar to Chubb. He's not Chubb, but Same he can position. be similar to him. Mm-hmm. He took Hernandez, who was I think the second rated guard behind Nelson. Depending on who you talk to. Um, and he he took a quarterback that a lot of people a lot of people like. So um, I, I I think he did a good job. So I think people just need to give it a chance and. There's no right and there's no wrong. You just got to let the season go and see what happens. It's too late to compare them to anybody. Say, oh, let's see what Donald do. He gave up a franchise player. He's gone. What are you going to do? That's it. He's not playing for the Giants. Just go with the people they got. Thank you, Coach Marvin. Appreciate the call, buddy. You're welcome. And look, I think it's important to note that at some point we're going to have to move past the quarterback Barkley discussion. And look, this whole week, next week, we can talk about it now. But once we get into training camp and stuff, I don't want to be relitigating who the Giants should have drafted a million times, all right? We're not going to know for three or four years what the right decision was. We'll figure it out as we go. But they've made the decision. We know what direction they're going in. We know what the mindset is, and we'll move forward. Obviously, next couple weeks, we can still react to it, have fun with it. But the die has been cast. You can't rewind on the VCR like Paulie Dots watching his game tape and, you know, Change your change your mind. So well, we are where we are right now. It's kind of like the parents who have a bunch of little kids in the back of the station wagon, and they're crying about, "Oh, we wanted to go to the you know ice cream store before dinner." Well, too late. Guess what? We'll go and have dinner first. You get your ice cream later. That's it. Be quiet. It's over. Relax for the rest of the car ride, folks. Relax for the next five years. You didn't get your quarterback. Tough luck. Done. Relax. But they can call it a react for the next couple of weeks. That's my point. We're still reacting to the draft. That's okay. I'm trying to soft I'm sell this, fun. and you're coming in with a hammer. I'm having fun with them. I'm having fun with them. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? In all honesty, because of what the Giants did, they've told you for months how they were going to plot out the, the near future for this team. They've told you that for months. Then they drafted these guys – and that tells you. It reinforces it. Reinforces everything about what they were trying to do. They're trying to do something in this next two-year window, maybe three-year window. Maybe four. And, and at the same time, they went and got an insurance policy for their backup quarterback. There's really nothing else to say. That's it. This is the plan that's been set in stone. You just got to live with it and, and, and move forward. That's it. Here's what I've learned, okay? And I'm going to write something on Giants.com to, tomorrow about this. Dave Gettleman says what he th- says what he thinks and thinks what he says. When he gives you what he believes in and how he's going to operate, that's what he believes in and how he's going to operate. He didn't give away the store as to who the Giants were going to draft. But you know what? If you listen to what he said, that they were always going to pick the guy that gave you the most value, and he was going to emphasize running the ball, stopping the running, getting to the quarterback. And a Hall of Fame caliber player. You knew who the Giants were going to pick. It, it wasn't, wasn't hard. hard to figure it out. It wasn't hard. Now, the trick is most GMs lie to you, and they'll BS you, and they'll tell you one thing and do something else. Based on this year, Dave Gettleman 
straight shooter. Let's go to... He, he should be a paisan. Dave Gettleman should be Italian because he comes right at you. He lets you know right to your face exactly what he's thinking. Straight shooter. Let's go to Mitchell there you Nashville. Go. He's up next. <laughs> hey, Mitchell, you're on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up? Yeah, I just, I just been saying I, I've been keeping up with you guys basically um, since the beginning of the year. You guys have been doing a great job leading up to the draft. Thank it's you. Been really entertaining. Appreciate it. So, uh, what the calls and everybody's going on. Uh, so as a draft, like everybody's saying, I feel like the players we got, we got. Um, you know, let's ride the boat. Let's try to go for this championship. And I feel like, um, especially with Saquon, it gives you like extra two year win over me, just because the type of player he is. Basically, it's been his Eli Man's career. And I feel like the upcoming season, uh, I feel like we do got some holes as far as with uh, the X receiver, as far as who's going to be our strong blocking receiver. I feel like we should set that edge. And uh, there's some, like, uh, I know Eric Eric Decker's still out there. Mm-hmm. Eric, Eric Decker's still out there. I know the whole thing with Des Bryant, it's a big, you know, up in the air. If he fits in with the team and stuff like that, so I feel like Eric Decker's still out there. And I feel like uh, we also could use a, a, not a free safety or a slot corner type of hybrid mix because I know we have some guys coming in and I, I wanted to ask Paul like as far as with the, the on draft free free agents if there's like any big play receivers that we got or slot corners that's really interesting no you know to be perfectly honest with you um the receiver the receiving core that was undrafted the top of the receiving core I had gotten a list of them none of them were necessarily uh, standouts for me I, I would almost rather bet my money on either Roger Lewis or Travis Rudolph having to pick up their game and and winning those jobs. I do think they've got to bring in competition. Supposedly, there will be a couple of receivers coming in. But right now, if you ask me, odds on favorite, who's the four and five? It's probably Lewis and Rudolph. That doesn't mean that they can't get beaten out. Again, you just don't know sometimes someone will have a really good summer and kind of edge somebody else to the sideline. We'll have to see. In terms of the corners, you know, I, they, the, the kid from Penn State, uh, Haley, is, is reported, reported to have had interest with the Giants. Now, we're not going to give you any names particularly because until these undrafted rookie free agents actually sign contracts and step on yep. the field at rookie minicamp, they're not the property of the team. And that's why I want to caution you. All the names you're seeing on the Internet, I don't care if they say they've agreed to, they've signed or whatever. Until the guy gets here, I've been around this game too long to know that guys were supposedly going to be going to a team as an undrafted rookie free agent. And before minicamp, they wind up changing their mind and going somewhere else. Kind of like being left at the altar, if you will, at at the middle of the church ceremony. It happens all the time. So don't live by anything you've seen on the Internet and guys supposedly coming here. Until they get here and sign, they're not here. So I would say to you, though, there are a couple of corners supposedly uh, of heavy interest to the Giants that may be here that could provide some help. But don't count out Dante Dion as the backup slot corner. Don't do that. He's Paul's guy. You got to understand. He's he's one of my guys, the dark horse from last year. I think two could, years ago, right? Yeah, actually, it was. I think he could back up William Gay at, at the corner okay. at the uh, slot corner spot. Okay, and uh, I I had a, a last question, so I'll take that offline. Sure. I know um, Hankins is, is a free agent. I just want to ask what's going on with him. And you know, I it's, last time I checked, he's a pretty talented player, and yeah. he's just sitting out there right now with no job. 
And um, I feel like um, with the right tackle situation, um, what do you think is going to happen with that? And I, I know we did have a rookie from last year who's coming in, and um, he has some high expectations. But I feel like um, as far as – I feel like we're, we're in the league right now. If you don't have two, uh, a left tackle and a right tackle really block and set the edge, it's going to be a really tough night, you know, no matter how talented your team is. All right, thanks, Mitchell. Appreciate the call, buddy. Thank, thank you, you thank very much. Thank you. Uh, look, Hankins is talented. I'm surprised he isn't picked up somewhere. But I think those guys that got let go late, like him and Des Bryant, teams are going to wait till after the draft, and their undrafted free agent crop comes in before they make a move on those guys. So I would think by the end of May, those guys would probably be on a roster somewhere, at least by the second or third week in May when OTA starts. I wouldn't start. be shocked if some of those veterans find a job within a week to be perfectly frank with you. Well, that, yeah, see, that's I, not unlikely. I was thinking maybe the team would like to get a look at the guys at rookie minicamp before they sign the Some veterans. will. So I was thinking some after will. rookie minicamp. Some will, and some guys are going to say, you know what, we got holes that we got to deal with sure. now. Let's get these guys in here sooner rather than later. I could see that too. And look, you Hankins know. is talented. Uh, I think the Giants' cupboard at defensive tackle is is fairly full right now. But then again, like, and here's another nugget that we're going to have to take into consideration. Because, again, whatever Dave Gettleman says now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe. He made the point that when they get to roster construction at the end of training camp, he doesn't have, like, well, I want eight defensive linemen, I want eight offensive linemen, I want nine corners or nine defensive backs. That's not how he does this. He's going to pick the best players, even if it means an mm -hmm. unbalanced roster. So that's something we're going to have to take into consideration when we have uh, our, our roster breakdowns and such. In training camp. 201-939-4513. 247sports.com is quoting Gil Brandt as saying, I thought the Giants had far and away the best draft. Their first two picks, Barkley and Hernandez, were on the top 15 ranked players in the 150 list I released before the draft, and they should both be instant starters. Mm, they should be. The godfather of football, Gil Brandt, uh, very high with the Giants picks. Just wanted to throw that in while I just saw it. And ideally, too, you pick second, you should have a good draft. Darn well. Darn straight. <laughs> I agree with that. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. He's up next. Hey, Jeff, what's going on, pal? And as Dave hey, Gittleman said, no one's going to line up at your presser and say, we drafted crap. <laughs> what's up, Jeff? How are you? Hey. I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, guys did a great job on the pre-draft and the draft as well. Thank so, you. Uh, I wouldn't have expected any less than that. Um, I was uh, when we got to the fourth round Saturday. <clears throat> I was surprised by uh, Loletta being drafted. I, I had thought mm -hmm. at that point in time we might go for some more offensive line help, and I, I know you guys discussed the uh, the two tackles that were left on the board there that were pretty highly rated and. Uh, I guess they weren't uh, drafted because of injury concerns, or I, I don't know if they were drafted later on. But uh, Fifth round for ever, both. Did you ever hear anything else about maybe why they weren't drafted? Yeah, uh, Crosby, Crosby seemed to be an injury red flag. We never really got a good answer on Jones, right, Paul? Nothing. Nothing. Other yeah, than the uh, Lions took Crosby and Seahawks took Jones, and both went in the fifth round, which by many accounts was it maybe two rounds later yeah. than where they should have <clears> gone <throat> talent-wise. So, obviously, the league the league had some yellow flags on these guys for them to fall that far. Yeah. Okay. Well, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I'm pretty happy with the draft. And uh, although at this point in time it looks like we're a little late in the secondary and uh, maybe at right tackle, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. And I'm looking forward to the, uh, the rookie mini camp, which will be in about, what, 10 days or so. May 11th. Yeah, that May 11th, starts yeah. next next Friday is when it kind yeah. of really kicks off. 
Okay. Well, thanks, guys. You have a great day, okay? Hey, you too, Jeff. Take Thank care. you very much for checking in. Uh, let's go to Roy in New Jersey. He's up next. Hey, Roy, what's going on, pal? Hey, guys. <clears throat> How you doing? Doing well. Uh, Hi. John, when I uh, look at the logo on your shirt, it doesn't exactly evoke memories of the glory days of the You know, Giants. Roy, it's funny. But Paul Dettino, and, and I, I didn't realize this I logo told was, him. I didn't realize this logo I was only used him. for one year and how bad that year was. But literally, was we atrocious. walked in, and Paul was like, you know what season that's from, don't you? So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. My bad. Yeah. Paul, that might have been, I don't know if it was 74, 75. 75. Like Arnsberger's last year or whatever. It was. Not, yeah, 75, the Shea Stadium season. Craig oh. Morton was the quarterback. Walker Gillette, the leading receiver. Joe Dawkins, the leading running back. It was a mess, an absolute mess. A logo that I care not to think about. So I'll have to make sure I wear it around Paul all the time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> the, uh, the first game my dad ever took me to was at Shea. They played the Cardinals. There you go. And, uh, Predictably, they lost, but uh, that when I see that logo, it just kind of brings back uh, mm-hmm. not so fond memories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm on a contrarian here. I absolutely love the draft. I was, I was, I didn't want them to go anywhere near a quarterback. Um, and I, the, the reason is, if you told me last year before the season that Eli was going to be pressured uh, more than all the quarterbacks except for three was going to have the offensive line play that he had, that the running game was going to be worst or second worst in the league, and that he was going to play the majority of the year with um, out two of his, uh, without two of his top three receivers and uh, part of a season without his third best receiver. Uh, and he would have thrown for uh, 19 touchdowns and 62%. I would have said, that sounds to me like he's doing a pretty good job. I, 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 don't, I don't get all the... The hate for Eli. Nobody's talking about um, uh, Drew Brees hanging it up. Nobody's talking about Philip Rivers getting old. And, you know why? No, you know what? It, no, 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 no. In, in fairness, people have mentioned Ben Ben Roethlisberger retiring. People well, have ben talked about a little different. And people have talked ben about is, the, Ben has been beat up a lot in his career. And people have talked um, about the 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 the, the uh, Chargers preparing for life after Rivers. Remember, right. everyone thought the Saints were trading up for Lamar Jackson. So, in fairness, people are talking about those teams trying to find the next yes. guy too. They are. Yes, I, I don't disagree with that. But here's here's the thing: the reason that you get people picking on Eli is twofold. Fantasy football, okay, because Eli Manning is not a fantasy football quarterback. He is a real NFL quarterback who does things on the field that fantasy football people can't understand, okay, because it doesn't help them with their numbers, and it doesn't help them win their points and win their money and whatever else. So he's not a fantasy football quarterback. That's one. Number two, I know you love this, don't you? Number two, and very, very important, is that – because people are so into analytics and fantasy football, they don't care that he doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him. They don't care that he has a sporadic running game to deal with. They don't care that he's dealing with third-level wide receivers. No, that doesn't matter. Well, that was only for one year, the third-level wide receiver. Well, this past season. Only one Two year. seasons ago, Eli Manning was, was tied with Stafford in Detroit with six fourth-quarter come-from-behind yep. victories, okay? That's yep. what that and he went to the Pro Bowl. Okay, so so I, here, that's why people are infected by analytics and fantasy football, and that's why Eli will never get his just due. I agree. I, listen, in <clears throat> 1997, Paul remembers this. The Giants won the division. They were 10-5 and one. The combination of quarterbacks was Danny, Danny Cannell, Cannell and Dave Brown. Yeah, 
who threw for a combined 3,000 yards. Yep. And the running backs were Tyrone Wheatley. Charles Way. Charles Way. And Tiki as a rookie. Yeah. Well, he didn't um, run the ball much. Right. But they they combined for 1,800 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns. They they won the division. And even though that was one of the most painful playoff games you ever have to be at, the game against Minnesota. Yes. Um, it was a successful season. And that's because they had a decent offensive line, and they ran the heck out of the ball, and they were in every game. Mm-hmm. I pred- and they, they caused they, a ton of turnovers. They've not had, you know, since um, the three-headed monster of uh, Ward and, uh, and um, Jacobs. And Bradshaw. They, they, yes. They have, they, you know, Eli hasn't gotten a lot of help in the backfield. I think that's going to change 180 degrees this year. And my feeling is that, uh, Barkley is going to do two things. Not only is he going to be a threat out of the backfield when he when he's handed the ball, but he's, they also have to account for him uh, when he's running a wheel route or he's in the flat because he's a dynamic receiver. It's going to change how defenses plan against the Giants' offense. Um, that there's no way that Engram, uh, OBJ, Shepard, whoever they have on the other side, and and Barkley can be accounted for all the time. Yeah. I, I I think this is. This was the smartest pick Gettleman could have made for the short term and for the long term. I think Eli is going to play another three years, and I, I think he's going to he's going to have a renaissance because he finally has everything he needs. It's going to be different, and everyone's going to love Eli again. Thank you, Roy. Thanks. Appreciate it. Can I? I'm going to ask you one question, Paul, before I go to the last call. Do okay? it. Here's my one question for you. Assuming health remains, yes, and we're sitting here in December. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should hear any more but this when it comes to Eli's overall performance this year. He has the weapons. He has a pretty pretty good O-line. It's not the best, but it's 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 certainly good enough. Better. Certainly good enough. Do you agree with that, that Eli has the part? Let me put it this way. I'll, I'll phrase the question this way. Does Eli Manning, assuming they're healthy, have the pieces around him for him to have a very good season? Absolutely. Charlie in Portland, Maine. He's up next. What's up, Charlie? You're our final caller. Hey, guys. Hey, I, I agree with that, the last thing you just said. <clears throat> well, let me throw out some names. Now, Gettleman did pretty well with undrafted free agents, and there's a bunch of them out there. Charlie, I wanna, I, Charlie before there. you go, I'm just telling you, me I'm and Paul not, cannot know, talk about it. I'm not going to say okay. that they're on the team. Yep. I'm just throwing out some names. Yep. All right? Okay. There's two guys. One is Tyler Howell, uh, left tackle from Missouri, 6'8". 330 pounds. The kid is a good tackle, played in, in, you know, what's Missouri, the big 12 or the little six, or I don't know where they are, but they played some good good school. Now, that's a, that's a guy that could come in, huge man, play on the right side. He did there's not another make guy the Google book. There's, there's another guy we that might that is interesting out there. He's from Nebraska, Nick Gates. Another big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then there's free agents. Now, there's Mr. Austin Howard, played with the Ravens. So, and we also, you know, have some guys on the team that are going to be competing. Now, Buzz Monty Rice, which is what I call Buzz, it, he's a big dude. He would be great on the right side along with Hernandez if he can figure out how to stop. Uh, speed rushers. So maybe Hunt can really work with them and, and make something happen. But uh, there is options out there. 
So I'm not super concerned about the right side. I think we were going to get a guy. And Gettleman, remember, got Noel, undrafted free agent. He had turned out pretty well. So all he has to do is get one gem out there, and then we can solidify the right side of our line. So that's what I'm looking at. Check that guy out from Missouri. He's a, he's a he's very, very interesting project. We'll check him out. And, he, and I don't think he's going to be too much of a project because he played the left side. He has technique. I'm telling you, he looks better than flowers right now than flowers. <laughs> Thank so, you, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Okay, guys. Have a good Good uh, day. Okay. I gotta be honest. I'm not that familiar with, and these neither one of the guys made Brugler's book, so I, I don't know who they are. There is a story out of the Columbia Missourian um, where they're talking about the possibility of of uh, players from that school who would have been uh, potentially picks. Yeah. And they said he participated in pro day which is very nice. So, obviously, I guess he did things there. And it says he possesses the size and speed to perform in the NFL but did not see enough of the field during his time in Missouri. Uh, it does not indicate if that was injury-related or otherwise. All right, Charlie, I did promise I'll get to a couple tweets. So, rapid-fire tweet questions, Paul, real quick. Go to it. Um, where do you see Hernandez fitting in on the line? I know they said they try him on both sides, but it seems like they have two left guards in Omame and Hernandez, and Xander Cage cannot see either of them not starting. Well, we know that Omame started out in the NFL as a right guard in San Francisco, and, and then played mm-hmm. some left guard, so I would think he's more likely to go that way, and Hernandez stays at left. And they said they're going to try both guys at both spots. They did say the spring, that. And we'll see how they go. Um, Matt DeSantis, sorry, we cannot comment on the, on the undrafted free agents because nothing is official yet. Uh, at Larry Soprano, I had to ask this one for Paulie Dots. With Stewart, was Stewart signed? That's Jonathan Stewart to, me- to mentor Barkley, or will he get the lion's share of the goal line touches? I think that'll have to play out during the course of uh, camp and then the early part of the season. But I don't think there's any doubt that Stewart was also brought in here in addition to being a roster guy, being a character guy. Because the Giants, they needed a, a big brother in that running back's room. So I don't think uh, you can d- discount his ability to be a character guy. I think he's going to be both. Yeah, I, it could be. I, I, I could think, be. I think he – I remember, I watched Barkley in short yardage a lot. He likes to go over the top. He doesn't really yeah. pound it and move the pile. We'll, we'll so. see how that turns out. And but, then, you know, character is important with him. Finally, more likely to be signed prior to camp by the Giants. A veteran, right tackle, DRC, or Dez? You know what's really funny, folks? I'm going to, on a Bible, I know nothing about this. In my heart of hearts, I would give DRC a phone call. And they wanted him to stay. That we know. He declined to take the pay cut, and so it was his choosing to have the Giants release him. But they, they wanted him to stay. Who's to say now, maybe if he hasn't found anything out there to his liking, that maybe that could not be a fit again. And I'm sure DRC, the vet that he is, doesn't mind not having to go to spring workouts either. I'm sure he doesn't. Yeah, right. I'm sure he doesn't, but right. well, is that possible? Well, my point being that he's going to be patient. He's not in a rush. He's going to be patient, right. but I, I'll tell you, you could do a lot worse than bringing him back. Good stuff, Paulie. Yep. Tomorrow we'll have Russ Husman the head coach of the Richmond Spiders, to talk about Kyle Lollett at the top of the show. Paul and I will be back with you talking draft and taking more of your calls. Thanks for being with us. Thank you to Spencer Leftwich, the former offensive line coach of Will Hernandez at UTEP. And thank you to the callers. We'll see you tomorrow on Giants.com. Have a great day, everybody.